Father, we thank you that you lead us. We thank you, Jesus, that you came as the way and the truth and the life, that we might know the way to the Father, that we might know you. God, thank you for your plan and for how you desire to love us for the rest of eternity. We praise you, and we pray now that you would open our hearts, fill us with the Holy Spirit as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you who would say that you are a Christian, that you are following Jesus Christ, would you like to keep following him? As you think about your life 20 years from now, would you like to still be following Jesus? If so, what should you do? What should you do now? What should you do each day? Or let me ask it this way. If God offered to guide you, would you want him to do that for you? And if he makes that offer, what should you do to put yourself on that path where you're following him, where you keep following him? Or let me ask this question. If somebody came up to you and asked you to explain it to them in one sentence, how it is that a person should follow Christ, what would you say? Is there a way that we can boil it down to saying, you know what, this is what is really important. This is how we should walk with God. Well, lately I've been thinking a lot about two very famous verses from the Old Testament. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. I'm guessing a lot of you in here have these verses memorized. Um, I just finished a long sermon series. I started it back in December. We finished it last Sunday. And for a long time now, I've been, I've been waiting for this sermon because I wanted to talk to you about Proverbs, verses three, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And I think the reason that these verses have been sticking out to me so much is because I think, it, I think that these verses might help us come up with answers to these important life questions about how it is that we can walk with God and keep walking with God. And I think that there might even be something simple in here that I want to explain to you about how it is that we can keep on the right track. So what I wanted to do in my sermon today is first I want to explain what these verses mean. And then after I do that, I'm going to do something a little bit different in this sermon. So I I think that, uh, I hope that it will be something interesting for you. So I'm not going to tell you what it is quite yet, but we'll get there. So first let's look at the verses. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. (coughs) Familiar verses, right? And as we're going to study these verses now, the first question we're going to ask is what do these verses mean? It's a great question, by the way. If you're looking to study the Bible, you read a section of it and you just simply ask, what do these verses mean? So that's what I'm going to talk about now. Well, verse 5 is set up like a typical proverb. A bunch of the verses in the book of Proverbs are set up like this, where there's a contrast. The first half of the verse will say something, and then the second half of the verse will show you the opposite. So that's what we have going on in verse 5. What we're supposed to do then in verse 5 is to trust in the Lord with all our heart. The opposite of that would be to lean on our own understanding. We're looking for something to prop us up, and we're not supposed to look to ourselves. We're not supposed to just try to figure things out. I love how there was one translation in, uh, that, that translated this verse, don't try to figure out everything on your own. Instead of that, instead of that way of life, which is so easy to live, by the way, where we just go through life 
with our own faculties, just trusting in our own mind or our own strength. Instead of that, we're supposed to go and trust the Lord. Overall, the book of Proverbs is a book that emphasizes wisdom and right living. Overall, it's a book of fatherly advice. And here the fatherly advice is, don't trust yourself. Trust the Lord. Now, I can imagine some non-Christians kind of scoffing at that and saying, hey, come on. I can, I can handle life on my own. It's not that big of a deal. Sure, sometimes things come up, but you know what? I'm pretty capable. But that's not how we're supposed to live. We are supposed to trust in the Lord and not in our own understanding. Now, I hope that's clear to you. I, I know that it can be really difficult to live that out. I know that there are times where we forget about God or where we simply do just trust in our own understanding. But it's not rocket science to figure out that we should trust in the Lord. Again, sometimes we stray from the path, but I hope at least in your mind right now, you can agree with me that we should trust in the Lord and not lean on our own understanding. And think about that from God's perspective. He knows us fully, He loves us, and He has good plans for us. Doesn't it make sense then for us to trust Him and not ourselves? Okay, then moving on to verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Now, there's a note in my Bible here. I want to read part of it. It says, In the original Hebrew... In all your ways, acknowledge him is more literally, in all your ways, know him. Now, I don't often uh, spend time here talking to you about the original Hebrew, but here's one point where I feel like I I need to. The word here is very simply know, K-N-O-W. We're supposed to know the Lord. It's a word that if you were to take any first semester Hebrew class, you would learn this word, and it's just a very simple word know. Like, I know that 2 plus 2 is 4. I know my wife. I know that it's raining out. There are things that we know. And that's what this word is. It says, in all your ways, know him. Uh, I almost never write in my Bible. In fact, just a little side note here. I switched Bibles about uh, a week and a half ago because mine was falling apart. And that same day, I saw a quote that said, uh, a Bible that's falling apart probably belongs to someone whose life isn't. So, um, but... But now my Bible isn't falling apart. I've got a new one. But uh, I transferred all my notes from that Bible into this Bible, and it only took me about 15 minutes to do. Because I just, uh, you know, I'm not against writing in your Bible. But here's one place where I'd actually encourage you to write in there. Put a little star or something in there. The word should be know. In all your ways, know him. And, and maybe, you know, 30 years ago when this translation was made, and I'm, I'm guessing most of your translations say acknowledge, regardless of, most of the major translations today say acknowledge, and I just don't know why. It's the word know. We're supposed to know. We're not just supposed to acknowledge and say, hey, there he is. Yep, okay, now I'm going this way. We're supposed to know him in all our ways. The word know is a word that implies a personal relationship, a a back-and-forth sort of a relationship. This word know shows up in a very important place in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 31. I I think it's one of the most important passages in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament, we would look back at it and say they were living underneath the Old Covenant. But in Jeremiah 31, God gives us a glimpse of the New Covenant, which we live in now with Christ. And in that New Covenant, one of the best blessings is that we can know God. That's what God wants for us. He wants a relationship with us where we know him. He knows us. 
And that's what Proverbs 3, 6 is getting at. In all your ways, know him. Let's take a quick look at the New Testament to look at this word know. In 1 John 5.20, it says, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So from that verse, the reason that Jesus came is so that we can know him who is true. So if we're trying to break it down, boil it down into its most simple part, you could say that our relationship with God is about knowing him. That is what he wants for us. That is why Jesus Christ came to rescue us. We could say a lot of reasons about why Jesus came. He came to die for our sins. Uh, He came to show us the way. But I think when you boil it down, the reason is is because God wants a relationship with us that lasts forever, a relationship in which he knows us and we know him. And let me pause and say this. The very fact that we can know God is because he wants to know us. It's not like there are any of us in here who could say, you know what, I kind of figured this out on my own and I found God. No. What does the Bible say? 1 John 4, I think it's verse 19. We love because, what? He first loved us. Isn't this amazing? The, the God of the universe loves you and wants to know you for the rest of eternity. That is why he sent Jesus Christ. The problem is, is that we had picked our own path, but God in his mercy saw that we were straying, sent Jesus to take our sins upon himself so that anyone who receives him can have complete forgiveness and eternal life. It's the gospel message and it's good news. And God did it because he loves us and wants to know us. Jeremiah 9.24 tells us that we can boast about knowing God. We're really not supposed to boast or brag about most things in life. But we can, it says there, about knowing God. It is what we were created for. And it says specifically in this verse, in Proverbs 3.6, that we are to know him, and the him, if you go back to verse 5, is the Lord. Now, the title Lord is an important one, obviously, in the Bible. In the New Testament, the title Lord is used for all three members of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all known as Lord. We can know the Lord. The word The title Lord also implies that he is master, that he is the one in control and that we are not, so that to know him means not just that we know about him, but that we actually submit to him. That's a a really important part of our walk with God, that as we learn things to be true about him, that we actually submit to him, trusting that he knows best, that he loves us and has good plans. It's a personal relationship. You hear that word thrown out there a lot, but that's what the word know implies. It's a personal relationship with God. And if we've got that kind of relationship, then we can move on to the next part of verse 6, which says, and he will make your paths straight. That means that God will guide us. Now it says in there, your paths, but it's abundantly clear, it's not just whatever path that you pick, It's the path that God has chosen for you. It's your path and that God gives it to you. Now, it doesn't mean that your path will be automatically easy just because God is directing you on it. In fact, sometimes the path that God has us on is a difficult path. 
But I think every one of us who has walked with the Lord for a length of time would be able to tell you that the best path to be on is the one that God puts us on. Or I like that, that quote that goes, I don't know who said this, but the best place to be is in the center of God's will. I've seen that time and time again in my life. There have been lots of times in my life where I've been on a path and I said, I thought I chose that path, but God has me on this path. And then in hindsight, you say, you know what? That path was better. And I think the reason that that path is better is because God is guiding us on it in his infinite wisdom. And second, in his great love, God is with us on that path. Wonderful blessings for those of us who know God. So, wrapping up this part of my sermon, we are to trust in the Lord and not in ourselves because we know that God knows best and has good plans for us. And by the way, this isn't just a blind faith sort of a thing. I think there's a part of it that is a, certainly a faith trust, a leap of faith into God's arms. But it's not just blind faith, and, and here's why. Because we know Him. And, and the more that we get to know him, the more ready we are to trust him again. So this idea of knowing God in all our ways, the reason that we're supposed to do it is because we're supposed to see how good he is and keep trusting him. Now, there might be some skeptics out there that would say, you know what, I'm not sure I want to give up control of my life like that. I'm not sure that I just want to commit right now to following God and whatever path he has for me. Well, if there are any of you out there that are like that, let me just quote for you part of one Bible verse, Psalm 34, 8. It's an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And by the way, that's an invitation for all of us to continue to taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more that we see that he's good, the more I think that we'll be ready to trust him again. He will direct our paths. We are to walk by faith and to know him, trusting him more and more. That's the life God wants. So if that's the life that God wants for us, what's our part in it then? Oftentimes in my sermon now, what I would try to do is ask the application questions. What does this mean for our lives? Or we could ask the specific question this time. If, if we're supposed to know God, what am I supposed to do about it? Now, most of the time, I would just tell you what, what I think that means after studying the scripture. But I had a different idea. So about a week and a half ago, I sent out an email to a bunch of pastors and missionaries that I know. And I asked them a, a simple question. Uh, I asked them to finish this sentence. If you want to know the Lord in all your ways, you should make sure that blank. And... Uh, I was privileged to see those emails roll in. So I sent it out to a bunch of pastors and missionaries, and 15 of them responded to this email that I sent out. And what I, the engineer and me made a chart. So um, the, uh, the way that this went is some people maybe focused on one or two things in their answer, but some people maybe put together three or four or five things in their answer. So what I did is I made a chart, and I said, okay, the, the first person said this thing and this thing. And then the second person said four things, but the first one was the same as the second thing that the first guy said. So I, I made a little chart, and I was trying to figure out what are, the, what are the common themes? Are there any threads that are running all the way through this? And, and I did notice that after I had, had compiled all of this, that there were certainly some common themes that were coming together, and I, I want to report them to you today. So the rest of my sermon now, there are seven themes that were running through these answers. And by the way, uh, so 15 people responded. These are pastors and missionaries. 
some of them are young, like my age. Some of them are old. Some of them have retired. There's men and women in this list. There's over 300 years of full-time Christian service in this, and countless people that, that these people have had the privilege of, of seeing. And I, I said in that email, I said, whether this is from your life or from the lives of people that you have seen that have continued to walk with the Lord. And I said, I just, I just want your wisdom. What would you say? And again, I'll repeat the question I asked. If you, want to, if you want to know the Lord in all your ways, you should make sure that blank. Okay? So I want to give you their answers now, starting with the ones that were most common. So the first one, the most common response, if you want to know the Lord, you should walk with him in all your ways. So in this first answer, these pastors and missionaries were picking up exactly on what it said in Proverbs 3.6. In all your ways, know him. One missionary said we should do this both in your general aim and in the smallest detail. Another missionary quoted George MacDonald who said, but we who would be born again indeed must wake our souls unnumbered times a day. And by the way, unnumbered doesn't mean zero it means countless times a day. And the idea here is that a walk with God is a relationship in which we are always to recognize his presence with us wherever we are, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, whatever we're doing, we are to recognize that God is with us in all our ways. A pastor responded by saying it's too easy to glance over the word all in Proverbs 3.6. He said, so often we only want to turn some areas over to his control and we want him to guide us in some things. This needs to be in all our ways. The message of the Bible, the message of the gospel is that we are to die to ourselves. I hope you know that. The Apostle Paul said that he was crucified with Christ. And he said uh, that he was crucified to the world as well. There is to be a death to ourselves, a death to our own way of life. And it's a choice we make to say, I'm not going to live for self anymore. Instead, I put my faith in Christ and I follow him. That means that we're not in control anymore. That means that we don't have our own time anymore because we've given everything to Jesus. That's what it means to know God in all our ways. And and I understand that that's a difficult thing. Now, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this sermon this way is because I was thinking about how to explain to kids how we should walk with God. So kids, I want you especially to listen to this next part of my sermon. Oftentimes, we parents tell you to do things, right? Like we tell you to read your Bible. We, we take you with us to church. Did any of you kids get a choice whether you got to go to church today or did your parents just say, you're coming with? Oftentimes, we just say to you, we're going to pray now. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to teach you the right things to do. But I want you kids to understand that it's not just those times of the day that we're supposed to walk with God. We're supposed to walk with God in all our ways. In every single thing we do, we are to recognize that God is with us. And it's never okay to disobey him. We we should remember him throughout our days. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now kids, I want you to know that that's not an easy thing. And actually, I want to speak to everybody now, even those of you, if you're 90 years old in here, that we are to remember to walk with God in all our ways. 
God isn't just part of our life. Remember, we die to ourselves, we receive Jesus Christ, and in Colossians it says that Jesus is our life at all times. Okay, so that was the first, the, the most important answer that I saw. Second one, if you want to know the Lord, you should know and obey God's word. One pastor mentioned John 15:10, where Jesus said, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Uh, a missionary replied with a very similar verse, John 14:21. Jesus said there, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. That same missionary said that we should have a heart prepared to obey what God tells you to do. Now, very early on in my walk with God, I realized that if the Bible is God's word, that I should get to know it. If God has given us this gift of his word to us and it's right in our hands, shouldn't we get to know it? Now, I have become convinced over the years that the Bible is God's word, and I have seen its power in my life. Maybe you're not convinced right now, but I just want to give you that same challenge that was given to me many years ago, the challenge to be regularly diving into God's word, understanding what he has for you. And here's how I would say it. If you want to know God... Get to know him more through his word. Submit yourself to listening to what God has to say through his word. And that means not just reading the Bible, but reading it in such a way that we listen to him, and not just listening to him, but then asking him for the strength and wisdom to apply what he says. That also means that we put ourselves in a position to learn from the Bible from other people who know more about it than we do. Things like listening to sermons and going to Bible studies and things like that. But overall, it should, there should just be a pattern of our lives, a daily pattern of our lives, where we're going to God and saying, God, teach me. Show me how you want to live. And in doing so, we know God more. Okay, number three. If you want to know the Lord, you should be humble. One pastor called this the most important trait that he's seen in people who continue to walk with Jesus. He noted that humility is the opposite of pride and that we should always be willing to listen to instruction from other people. Another pastor said it comes down to recognizing your need for the Lord. And the way that I like to say this is that we're not God. We, we need to know that we are not God and that we should submit to the one who is. Now, that same pastor reminded us that this isn't just a, uh, you know, a bummer deal, okay, I'm nothing. He said the flip side of this is a heart that recognizes the greatness of the Lord. And I thought that was great. If we're going to humble ourselves and recognize that we're not God, we're not in control, then we are in a great place to recognize that God is great and that he loves us and has good plans for us. A humble heart is a heart that keeps walking with God. It can be so easy for us, though, to assume that we can just do this on our own. And as, as we all look back at our lives, we can probably look at many points in our lives where we've said, yep, I can do that in my own power. But let's be humble and recognize that God is in control and submit to him. Let's tell him that we will follow him. Then number four, if you want to know the Lord, you should pray. You knew prayer had to make the list, right? One pastor talked of maintaining a humble, consistent, passionate life of prayer. And the idea behind his email was that he said, I know that if I'm doing that, that if I'm praying, 
consistently, humbly, and passionately, I know that God will produce in me what he wants to. That if I really am about surrendering my life to him and talking to him and asking him to guide me, I know that God will bring about fruit in my life. What a wonderful, wonderful perspective to have. And in that sense, prayer is closely linked to humility. And that means that when we pray, we don't just think about ourselves. We don't just ask for what we want. Although we can do that, I, I like to repeat this often here, that God invites us to ask him for things. He's a good father who wants to give us good things. But more and more, I think our prayer should sound more like what Jesus taught us to pray when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. And that when we pray, we have that heart attitude of submitting to God and letting him lead us in the ways that he has for us. Because God wants to strengthen us as we pray. He loves it when we pray. I came across this verse. I've been reading through the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs 15.8 says, But the prayer of the upright pleases him. Isn't that cool? We can please God with our prayers. And that leads really well into number five. If you want to know the Lord, you should glorify him. Glorify him. If we focus on ourselves, it's so easy for us to get off track. But if our heart attitude is to worship and to praise and to glorify God, it's amazing how he keeps us on the right track. And doing all those things, worshiping God, praising him, it, it helps us to know God more. A long time ago, I heard someone say that we should thank God often, especially in difficult times. It's been a great tip for me. It's helped me several times to get out of a, a, a valley or a slump that I've been in. Focusing on God is a, and praising Him is a great way to continue to keep on knowing Him. Because in praising God, what we're doing is we're thinking about Him and hopefully what happens in our hearts as we praise Him is we recognize how good He is and we want to keep submitting to Him. One missionary said that in all things we should pursue that which would glorify him the most. And I love that concept. It's kind of the, w, excuse me, the WWJD bracelet sort of a concept that in every single thing we do, we should be thinking, what would God want me to do here? How can I give glory to God? And I was thinking about that in my own personal life and just thinking how often I go the other way. How often I say, what do I want to do? I've got some free time now. What do I want to do? Instead of thinking, what would bring glory to God right now? And don't get me wrong. I don't think that it's, God, it's that God wants to take away all your free time. I'm just thinking that it's that God wants you to honor him in your free time. Wants you to think about him and glorify him. So one way that I would say it, kind of thinking about Proverbs 3, 6 and this idea of glorifying God, is that we should constantly recognize that God is with us in such a way as to glorify him in all we do. So we should constantly be thinking about how we can honor God in every circumstance. Okay, number six. If you want to know the Lord, you should have faith. Now this one might seem painfully obvious, but there were a couple of things that a couple of these people mentioned that I just want to report back to you. One former pastor said that faith means to trust God's promises instead of our own understanding. He said we should ask the Lord for faith to trust him in all circumstances. And I like that idea. It's, it's the opposite of what we see in verse 5 of leaning on our own understanding. And I think it's this realization that we are weak people 
And we should constantly go to God and say, God, would you please strengthen me to walk with you now? I don't have what it takes in and of myself. Would you please strengthen me? Another former pastor noted that people who live by faith are people who are willing to be in difficult circumstances for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. He said, the people who I've seen who keep on walking with the Lord are the people who sometimes just end up in places doing things that they didn't choose to do, but they're doing them for the Lord. Knowing the Lord means stepping out in faith. Because God leads us to step out in faith sometimes. The opposite would be to choose the path of least resistance. You guys are familiar with that phrase, right? Let's say that you've got a a stream of water flowing downhill and there's a rock in the way. That water is going to go around the rock. It's choosing the path of least resistance, the easiest path. And let me, if I can just speak to a whole generation right now, I'm going to speak to the people who are just a little bit younger than me, maybe reaching up to my age. But this this generation of of 20-somethings is quickly earning a reputation for themselves of not... Uh, excuse me, of choosing the easiest path. But God doesn't always have the easiest path for us. Sometimes he wants us to step out in faith and make difficult decisions. Decisions that might be completely contrary to everything we've ever thought, but that we've come to believe simply because we know God. And if we know him and we know that he's leading us in a good path, we should step out in faith and follow him. It might mean your life might look very different, but it'll be better. Because God leads us in paths that are good. Okay, then number seven. If you want to know the Lord, you should repent. A missionary said that we should let God show us day by day if someone or something besides God has taken first place. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that we should constantly be going to God and saying, God, is there anything that's wrong with me? Is there anything I've done that has offended you? And if so, we simply confess it to God. We say, God, here's what I did. I know that it was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And and I've been thinking about that in my own life. And it's not that we go to God and we say, God, I, I did that, and would you just overlook it? No. We say, God, I did that, and it was wrong. Please forgive me for it. I know I did it. I'm not trying to say it was right. Please forgive me for it. We should hate sin so much that we flee from it. And I love how one pastor reminded me on this, that a life of repentance isn't just a life of beating ourselves up over sin. The beauty of repentance, he said, is that God wants us back. We drift away so often. And sometimes we might think, you know what? I bet God's a little bit miffed at me this time. I've probably used up all the forgiveness that that he's given. and You know, God really loves people like Billy Graham and all those Christian superstars, but he's probably a little upset with me for how many times I've drifted away. But this, this pastor reminded me that, no, God's heart for us is that he wants us back. And, and this pastor said, the best that I have been able to do is to have a walk where I circle back more quickly and then drift off less often. Isn't that great? I want to repeat that one. The best that I have been able to do is to have a walk where I circle back more quickly and then drift off less often. Now, we are going to continue to struggle with sin in our lives. But wouldn't it be great if we do sin that we circle back more quickly? And then when we come back to God, we ask Him for the strength not to drift away again. Another missionary said that we should own our sin, but then move on with joy. 
To own our sin means to recognize, I did it. I, I don't blame Satan. I don't blame the world. I don't blame temptation. I did it. I confess it to God. But when I confess it to God, I remember the cross. And I can move on with joy knowing that that sin has been taken care of and that God loves me. So yes, we will sin, but when we become aware of it, let's confess it and then move on with joy. Our past sins don't need to keep us from knowing God. In the cross, there is grace and forgiveness. Okay, there are other things that these pastors and missionaries said, and there are other things that I could say, but let's move on to the conclusion now. And the conclusion is simply this. We are to know the Lord in all our ways. We are to know him and that we are to continue to walk with him and to continue to know him more and more. And we are to know specifically the Lord, meaning that we recognize that he's in control and we're not, that we submit to him and follow him. We're to know him in all our ways, meaning that we're to know him at work, at school. It means that we're to know him in our free time. It means that we are to let him have control over our finances. It means that as we're hanging out with our families, that we're to encourage each other to know him more. In all our ways, we are to know him. Now, knowing the Lord in all our ways is a huge task, and I don't want to give the impression that it's easy. And if I could just quote that theologian, uh, Jack Palance, as he was curly in the movie City Slickers, remember this? Uh, He wasn't talking about this idea, but what he said applies to what we're saying. He said, it's not easy, but it's simple. I I love that. It's, It's not easy, if we're getting back to our lives, not City Slickers, but it's not easy because it really does mean submitting to the Lord in all things, in everything. Every single thing we do, we are to know the Lord and to walk with Him. So it's not easy, but it's simple in that there really is just one step. I think Curly talked about the one thing, and, and he held up his finger, and Billy Crystal looked at him and said, what, your finger? He said, no, one thing. And for us, there really is one thing in this sense. Know the Lord in all your ways. So let me simplify it by asking you this question. Who do you live for? Yourself or the Lord? If you're living for yourself, you have to change Proverbs 3.6 to something like this. In all my ways, I do what I want. But if you're living for the Lord, your heart's desire is to know Him more. To know Him in all your ways. To honor and to glorify Him. To, to read His word and to obey it. To pray with humility to keep on stepping out in faith, to repent of your sins when you've gone astray, to glorify Him in all that you do. Or more simply put, to know Him in all your ways. And then one more thing, very quick. We don't have to do any of this in our own power. God gives us the Holy Spirit to accomplish this in our lives. If you feel unable to know God in all your ways, please know that that is exactly why God sends the Holy Spirit. It's exactly why when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we also receive the Holy Spirit because we do not have the strength in and of ourselves to know God in all our ways. But living in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. So knowing God in all our ways might just mean that every once in a while we stop and say, God, please fill me with the Holy Spirit because I feel like I'm directing my own path here. God, I want to know you and follow the path that you have for me. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
Our part is to keep seeking the Lord, recognizing his presence with us always, glorifying him in all we do, and walking on the path that he has for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for how you lead us. We thank you that you know us and that you want us to know you. That we can have that relationship with you where we are forgiven of our sins and where we can walk with you for the rest of eternity. We praise you for the truth of that right now and we ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit right now. Please strengthen us and guide us on that path. And I pray that our hearts would submit to you and that we would know you in all our ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.